confidence. I think confidence is really the root of all of it, right? Um, if you're confident, you can go a long way. And, and it's, it is unfortunate because so much of the job search is built around making you feel less than. Like you yeah. look at a job description and it says this entry level role needs two to three years experience. And you're like, well, I don't have that. So I guess screw me, right? Because what you sell needs to be all about them all about the company and their needs and their wants and and it's it's you in relation to them and so when it comes to confidence a lot of all right welcome 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 back to this episode of the how to get a job podcast and today's episode is going to be a really good one because it's a really really important topic that we all face in the job search process. And um, you have to understand that every, pretty much everyone in, in this world has at one point been looked for a job, right? No one is born with a job. Um, and even if you inherited it, worked for a family, you still have to get a job. And finding a job is really, really, really stressful. And I don't know about you, but even when I went through this process, um, it's a roller coaster. And there's a lot of emotional anxiety, you know, and there's a lot of mental health things that happen. And I, I found that this, a lot of times, job seekers keep that to themselves and that can be very harmful and so to talk about this important topic i actually have an amazing guest that i connected with on linkedin that i'm really excited that he's here i have marty mcgovern and marty actually is a career coach but he also is known as the career therapy a therapist and he has a company and the founder of career therapy and he talks a lot about what we're about to talk about so i couldn't have found a better guest for you all today so really excited for you so enjoy the show marty welcome how are you doing today how are you feeling thanks for being here doing well feeling really good thanks for having me daniel excited to talk about these topics you know it's 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 the fun stuff that you and i just geek out over so i can't wait yeah yeah look um you know what's interesting so i've been a career coach for over 10 years now and when I talk to uh, individuals who are looking for help and guidance, they're, they always think like, hey, my problem is my resume, or my problem is I don't have a network, or my problem is interviewing. And actually, I actually don't think that's the biggest problem. I actually think their mindset, the way they're looking at it, their mental health, you know, their lack of confidence and motivation on themselves. And the longer they've been in this process of looking for a job, the more their confidence dips. And that actually affects the way they interview, the, like the way they network, affects the way they sell themselves. And so that's why I think is actually, depending on where you are, if you've been job searching for a couple of months now, this, the psychology of job searching might actually be the biggest thing stopping you from getting a job. But we'd love to hear your experience and your thoughts about this topic and um, also give you the ability to share a little bit about your story. Of course. I mean, that is absolutely what I saw. So I got into career coaching through, you know, corporate and I worked in advertising and marketing and startups. And, um, you know, I was working with people and I would, you know, we would talk about all the things they need to do. They need to network. 80% of jobs are found through networking, all the different stuff that every career coach knows. And, and we talk about incessantly, but, um, it, it dawned on me that like, you know, everyone to some degree knows what they need to do. But then there's the question of, well, why aren't we doing it, right? Like we all know we need to work out, but why aren't we working out to the degree or to the consistency that we should? And so I started digging into that a little bit more. And what I found is that people started opening up to me, um, not, not necessarily because I wanted them to, um, but opening up to me about really difficult things that were happening in their life, um, depression, 
uh, family issues, you know, stuff that I had to be like, whoa, we have boundaries. <laughs> I'm just a coach. I'm not a therapist yet, although I'm working toward it. Uh, and so, you know, you start to realize that it's all interconnected, right? It's not job over here, life over here. It's all one thing and it all kind of goes back and forth and things that are happening at home affect your work and things that are happening at work affect your home. And if you need to network, but you're not networking, what is that psychological block? What is getting in the way? Why are you not networking? And so we started taking different personality tests and pulling in different motivation and, and you know, insecurity research and stuff like that to really figure out what's getting in people's way. And as soon as you can sort of identify and relieve some of those blockers, suddenly there's a new perspective on the job search that's not necessarily as brutal. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this, but everyone is just like, gosh, this process is the worst. It's like, yeah, it is. You know, no one signs up to job search 24 seven, except us coaches for some weird reason. But, uh, but when you actually can reframe the job search as something fun, something that's rooted in curiosity, something that's rooted in like helping people rather than begging people, it can really shake things up. No, it, absolutely. I think it's this having and, and talking about this more and, and if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, like I've never really felt comfortable talking about this topic with my friends or my family about it. Like, I think it's really, um, it's, 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 it's really, really important. Like, um, I think it, for me, like it, it, it was something like in my program, like, I, like, like I'm, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist either. Right. Like, and I have, have to talk about this in a sense of like, Hey, I'm talking to you. I'm like, I'm like a friend not as a professional. And if you need professional help, you should look into that. Right. And I, and I even love the fact that there is becoming more accessible with like tools, like better help and um, things like that, like websites or tools like that, that will connect you with a therapist. But I think it's really important. I think that, that this is a, one of the biggest things that's stopping you from you getting a job faster. Um, and what I found that it's like, it's interesting because I, I found, I don't know if, you, if you've noticed this thing, when someone gets an offer and then they're like, Oh, you know, they already have a couple of interviews lined up. Odds are they'll get other offers. And it's like, why? And they go like, Daniel, like, I've been looking for a job for so long. And why is it that when I finally get an offer, all these other companies give me offers too? And I think that's like, that is the proof to me that you're mentally blocking yourself from getting a job. Because the reason why you got the other offers is because you went to the other interviews with a different level of confidence of like, hey, I already have an offer. Right. So what's the worst thing that can happen here is you tell me, no, I'm used to getting no's and I already have a yes. And so you confidently sell yourself better. And so that leads to more interviews. And so like if, if, I, if I've seen this happen hundreds of times, right, like in, in, in my career coaching life, life, right, I now telling people that are starting out, I'm like, hey, like, let's get this fast. Like, I, I need you to have the confidence. Like if you have an offer, I need you to start thinking like companies need you more than you need them. Because companies can't grow without the right talent, and there's a shortage of really technical talent because I specialize in STEM students. But um, what are some of the biggest mental roadblocks that individuals face, or what are some of the common paths or, or cycles that you're seeing job seekers get themselves stuck in uh, as they're applying for jobs? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, but I and I want to address a few things that you said there because when it rains, it does pour, right? And when what I tend to see is like people have that moment of confidence and clarity and then they start getting multiple offers and then all the insecurities come back and, you know, they go, oh, my gosh, 
which one should I take? You know, I got this one this week. They need to know by Friday, but I won't know about the other one for another two weeks. <laughs> and this is probably my most watched video on YouTube yeah. is how to juggle those offers. And I always say, treat companies how they treat you. Yep. Don't be overly honest. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Like, you know, you can say yes to something. Everything is mostly at will if you're in the US. Um, so if you say yes to a job and then, in, you know, or let's say you say yes to a contract and then a month later, a full-time role comes through that pays 30, 40 K more. Don't think you have to turn down that full-time role just because you accepted this short-term contract and, and really helping people navigate that anxiety. Like that's actually become something I've been doing a lot lately. Uh, cause when it rains, it pours and then people freak out. Uh, so we can definitely talk about that more. And to your point about confidence, I think confidence is really the root of all of it, right? Um, if you're confident, you can go a long way and, and it's, it is unfortunate because so much of the job search is built around making you feel less than like yeah. you look at a job description and it says this entry level role needs two to three years experience. And you're like, well, I don't have that. So I guess screw me. Right. Yeah. Or like my favorite, my favorite story is like some, some uh, entrepreneur or developer guy. He's like, well, I couldn't get this job because it needs eight or nine years of this software. And I only built the software two years ago. So oh I guess I couldn't even get that job, you know, and like <laughs> that kind of stuff is so funny. And whenever I talk to people about confidence, what I tend to find in terms of blockers and common roadblocks is that I don't think we are thinking about confidence the right way when it comes to the job search. Cause I think so much of what's out there is about you, your personal brand, your personal story, um, what do you want to do with your life? Where do you want to go with your career? How much money do you want to make? How are you going to stand up for yourself and all those different things? And I think it's good to do that work personally and to really understand your desires and needs and wants and motivations and skills and strengths and all the, all the stuff that's there. But we have to realize there's a difference between all of that and understanding yourself and then what you sell, because what you sell needs to be all about them, all about the company and their needs and their wants and and it's, it's you in relation to them. And so when it comes to confidence, a lot of times people think, oh, I'll have more confidence when I finish this credential, or I need to just go in and like talk a big talk and like sound like I know it. And if you're someone who's maybe a little insecure or if you're not feeling very confident and you try to be confident, it comes off as like arrogant, it overcorrects. And then you get these people that are like, you know, saying too much and then they get pushed a little bit and they crumble. Right. And so when I talk about confidence with people, what I'm really trying to do is foster a sense of calm in them. And instead of trying to prepare for the job search so that nothing goes wrong, which is that perfectionistic mindset, like when I prep for the interview, I need to have every answer prepped for. I need a hundred questions and a story for every question. So no matter what they ask me, I know the answer, but there's no way you can prep for every possible question. So it's better to go in and be calm and know a, a set of stories that you like to tell, know how to adapt them to a variety of questions. And then the thing that no one does, which I try to encourage people to do is what will you do when you screw up, not if you screw up, but when you screw up, because we all are going to screw up. And so if they ask you about a technology that you don't have experience with, instead of going into fight, flight or freeze and like screwing up the interview, you already have your 
I don't know answer prepped, right? There's a big difference between I've never used that software, dead silence, awkwardness, and well, I haven't used that software particularly, but I know these other softwares that are similar to it. And I know that you try to do these things with it. How's your team using that software? Do you have any recommendations on how I could get up and running? I could probably, you know, be fluent in it in three to six weeks. Much different answer than just, I don't know, and shutting down, right? So yeah. confidence to me is calmness, is being ready for the screw ups as much as you're ready for the, the highlights. And so really just kind of accepting the fact that this is a messy product process, you will screw up and that the screw ups are not like, I need to go hide in a closet and <laughs> cry or something, which I'm sure yeah. some people feel that way. It's no, I screwed up because everyone is screwing up all the time in their career nonstop. And it's just about being able to bounce back and be okay with the fact that you're not perfect. And if you think about it, every single company you've ever talked to sucks once you get in there. Like you get in there and it's just a bunch of people running around with their hair on fire trying to put things out. I remember how scared I was to get into advertising. And then I got in there and I'm like, all right, so what are you guys doing with YouTube? And they're like, uh, nothing. Well, what are you doing with Instagram? Uh, nothing. What? I'm like, you're not even using these technologies? And they're like, no. And I'm like, I thought this was an ad agency that I was scared of. What the hell's going on? So like realizing that if you look backwards, every job you were scared of, once you were in there, you realized there are amazing people. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of just average people doing average work and that's okay. They got hired too. So yeah. you should be fine. So many things there that you said that I kind of like want to unpack and go a little bit further. Um, the first thing is, you talked about that having it. I don't know answer, right? You're right. Like there's going to be odds are you will have a question that you don't know the answer to, or you don't have the technical ability that they're looking for and how you answer it. That matters. And I think it's like important to understand like the number one skill that companies are looking for is are you, how, how coachable and teachable are you? Like, you know, the technology that we use today is not going to be the technology we use five, 10 years from now. And so, as long as you're able to adapt and learn, that actually becomes more important than you actually knowing Excel or you actually knowing uh, Python or, or things like that. Like, yes, I think that there needs to be a basic understanding. Is there transferable skills? All that is true, but I think you can save a lot of those interviews by having an I don't know answer. So that's awesome. Like I actually took notes. I thought that was great. Uh, the other thing you said, you were kind of towards the end, and I was actually like uh, having a conversation with my wife about this last week, and you just it's like. She goes like, I thought that people had like knew, like they knew their role and they had their shit together. And what I didn't realize is that the further I grow in a company, cause she's like been promoted and it's like, the more I realize that people don't know and they're making this up as they go. And just like, I'm making this up as I go. And like, we're all essentially just like your boss is probably just a little bit more better than you or more qualified, have a little bit yeah. more experienced than you. But they don't have everything figured out because I'm now the 33 year old that I used to look forward, look up to when I was 21, 22 year old starting my corporate career. Right. And I used to think like, oh, when I'm 30, I'm going to have everything figured out. No, they, they might have more figured out than when I did when I was 20, but I don't have it all figured out. And so it's it's super interesting to forget. We forget and we idolize or we we think that everyone is good. I'm not. Everything has a perfect life. I don't. Right. And I think that kind of also plays into the the social media of how we're looking at people's social media and all we see is their highlight reels of their life, all the good things of their life, not the positive. 
And that maybe also translates into the rest of our life, including job searching. Yeah. And, and don't forget, like, this is also how companies are, because uh, companies created the hiring process, right? So they have created it in a way to build a power dynamic yeah. that makes you feel less than them. And that's fine. Like, I mean, that's just what it's going to be. But we don't have to, I always say, treat companies how they treat you. Yeah. yeah. So there's no company that's coming to you saying, hey, we're hiring for this role because six months ago, um, we had to lay off 30 people because a year ago we overhired. And now we have some new clients because we had lost a bunch of clients. And we're probably going to lose these clients in the next year. But we're going to hire you until we lose those clients. And then we'll probably lay you off. Um, but that's okay because that's just business. And, you know, it's going to hurt me to do it. So I'm going to hire an outside firm to fire you. Uh, but I'm going to tell you that I love you and that your family and that you're going to grow here and that I care about your future until, you know, the budget changes. And then I'll have someone else fire you because I don't want to do it. And uh, maybe I'll do it on Zoom or via email um, in, a, in a mass way so that I don't even have to like look at faces. That'd be great. Um, and then we sit here as, high, as, as, uh, as employees or job seekers and we go, oh, my gosh, I'm not being 110 percent honest about the number of months that I've spent using Python. Is that bad? And it's like, what are you talking about? Like these companies are are selling you. Like you look at a at a job description, it is a it is a marketing document for the company. Like half of it is about how cool it is to work there, right? And then you go talk to people that work there, and they're like, I don't know, it's fine, it's it's whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. And so, like, don't get me wrong, like have goals, have companies to look up to. But the number of times I've talked to people who are like, I'm I would kill to work at Google, and then the next phone call I have is someone who's like, I got to get out of Google, um, like it's so funny to be on the coaching side and just see the whole picture. Um, and so, yeah, I always say treat companies how they treat you. The company is, they're not being dishonest. They're just only giving you the marketing message. Yeah. And so you don't need to be dishonest. You just only need to give the company the marketing message. And if you can approach it that way, it takes away a lot of this oversharing that people do, a lot of this um, insecurity dumping that people do in the interview. It's like, what are your strengths and weaknesses? It's a benign question that's about what tasks should I assign you so I can build my team? But then people go onto this like long diatribe about their weaknesses. And it's like, that's not what they're asking. Yeah. They asked a dumb question because they're bad at interviewing, but like you need to know how to give a good answer to a bad question. So super interesting what you're saying. And there's a lot of things that you said there that I completely agree with. And there's some things I actually have come to look at it differently, I guess now being as a business owner. And and so I want to kind of like talk through this because I think like the audience wins when we, we can get different points of view and allow them to make uh, the decision that they want to make, right? So a couple of things there. I actually think you're right. I think treating companies the way that they treat you, it's fair. And I think there's a lot of companies and I'll maybe even say majority of companies that just treat you like a number, like your applicant 347, your applicant 94, your applicant, you're like a number. And I have a good example about a situation because I think, and I even posted this about my LinkedIn yesterday, but if you're listening to this probably like a month ago, right? I had a, a, a client going through the process with Walmart, 
far along, and I'm I'm saying Walmart because the client posted about it, so like he 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 earned it, and plus they probably deserve it, right? That's right. Going through the process, like I'm not even talking like this is like final round of interviews, right? Has met with them, the hiring decision. This guy created a presentation. It's it's like a, a, a senior job making over six figures, like a really good job, right? It's not like a level entry. Like when I'm even talking about a cashier, I'm talking about like corporate, like consultant analyst, like senior analyst role. They ghost the guy after being in the interview process for probably six weeks, like of interviewing, going back and forth, scheduling, right? The guy was going to relocate to Arkansas, like all, all, all of it. And they ghost him, never hear from them. He follows up, messages the manager, never reply. Follows out with a chart, never reply, right? So treated him really bad, right? Good thing he had other other interviews coming up. He ultimately gets a job. He then relocates. And the funny part is like, he was super excited to tell me that, hey, I got the offer. I accepted it with another company, with another actually really great company. And he goes, I'm moving. I'm relocating. I'm going to have to refurnish my whole apartment. And I'm so excited to go to Target. Right. Like, and you forget, like, like they're your clients. And I remember this at PepsiCo when they would tell me, like, hey, they actually at PepsiCo, they taught me, they were telling me this, like, hey, remember, every person you interview is probably a consumer of ours. And if we treat them wrong, not only will they never buy Pepsi or Gatorade or, pe- or chips or Doritos or Tostitos ever again, their family probably won't because they're going to go tell 100 people that we treated them bad. And I think we know, candidates know, like, hey, like, I know I'm not going to get 100% of the jobs that I apply to. Like, I understand what, like, it's not that, what, it, the guy, like, my, my mentee or my client was not upset that he didn't get the job at Walmart. Like, fine, somebody was better. Great, got it. You got to hire what's best for you. I understand that. It's how they treated him in that process that mattered and how he will never shop at Walmart ever again. Right? And so, like, that's a bad decision, right? And, and, and so, I think the, the candidate experience I would tell you is a really good indicator of how the employee experience is going to be when you got when you start working there. Like if they treat you well when you're applying for the job, like that's a good indicator of the future. And I would even say they probably will treat you better during the candidate experience. Like out of the scale of one to ten, if you get treated like a ten in the candidate experience, then as an employee, you probably get treated like an eight or a seven, right? Because now you're in and you're here, so it might it might be even lower. But if you get treated like a three. In the big, as you're applying for a job, you better believe you're going to be a one once you get working there, right? Oh yeah. And so I would. Well, the nice thing about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the nice thing about treat companies how they treat you is every company treats you different. Yes. And so if they're Target and they're treating you well, go above and yeah. beyond. If they're Walmart and they're treating you shit, sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this. No, you. Uh, <laughs> um, if they're not treating you well, then then detach a little bit. Yeah. Don't put so much weight on that company and, and, you know, focus your attention to where they treat you well. And I think that's where it's like, you know, to your point of the hiring process, um, there's my only caveat to the hiring process is like HR teams are overstressed and overworked. So yeah. it might not always be indi- indicative of the team you'll end up on. Cause like when I worked at discover the experience someone had at that company varied widely depending on who their manager was. Yep. And so, you know, HR as a whole is a good indicator, but it's not the only indicator to think about. But yeah, keep going. I, no, I think saying. I would agree with you. I think, but I, I think I, I would look at it as like the processes. Like, do they have organized processes and how they keep in contact at the back end? I completely understand. I actually think that more importantly of the name that's on your paycheck, it's the manager that you will have. Like, because I, I have, I've worked at PepsiCo and I've had good managers 
and I've had an okay manager. I don't think I've ever had a terrible manager, but I had an okay man. Like, and I had really great managers. Like one that was like, man, like I've learned a lot about leadership from him. From this, actually, it was a her from her. Uh, her name is Sharonda, and if you're listening, Sharonda, uh, I appreciate you. But um, <laughs> and and um, and is a that like massive difference of my experience and how I felt at work, which then translated how I felt at home, which is a whole different conversation of why your your, your manager is actually sometimes more important than the company or what you do. But that's beyond, besides the point of the fact that you should never take a role or without first having a conversation with the manager, whether it's already part of the interview process or requested to be part of the interview process. But I do want to add like something there. Like I think you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, understand that there's no such thing as a long-term relationship if it's not mutually beneficial. And even though the company is giving you a paycheck, right, your equal or amount of value back is what you're giving them back in your time and expertise. And if it's not mutually beneficial, it's not going to last, right? Like if a company is paying you a million dollars, but your, your market worth is maybe $100,000, then the company is going to find a way to cut costs eventually to, to let you go. And if the company is paying you... $50,000 for a job that you should be $200,000, that means that you probably are going to be looking for a job and not be there for a long time, right? So it's actually finding the equilibrium. And it's not just about pay, which is kind of like where I will pivot to, to our next kind of topic. It's like, it's not always pay. And we all individually have different priorities. And I know that we, when we were, before we hit record, we kind of were talking about this a little bit. And it's actually something that's super important is like, I don't think a lot of job seekers are taking the time before applying for jobs to understand what their priorities is today and maybe what their priorities will be in the next couple of years. And those priorities will change. Like I do this exercise with my clients. It's like, there's like a list of top 10 things that you should look into, like um, like compensation, location, um, work-life balance, uh, culture, uh, mission and vision of the company, uh, um, personal development, room, room for growth, uh, so you have like this, this, this things like, you know, pay time off, right? Benefits. Like, so, and then you, I have them rank, right? At scale of one to 10, like, you know, like one being the most important and, and 10 being the least important or, or backwards, however you want. It doesn't matter. You can even do this. Right. And then from there, try to find a company. And I remember when I first did this in college, right? I remember I had compensation, location and growth as my top three. And so I'll, I'll be willing to go work 80 hours a week right out of college and make like be a consultant and, and, and do all that, right? Because it was, I was going to learn a lot. I was going to grow a lot. And that was my priority. But I can also see that five years later on, that was no longer a priority for me. Like I did no longer want to work that many hours. I did no longer didn't feel like I was making an impact. And, and I felt like the more I sold PepsiCo products, the more I was getting people fat and unhealthy. It's kind of like against what I was trying to do. And so like, not the reason, that's not the only reason why I quit PepsiCo, but it was something that- No, yeah, I felt that in the credit card industry, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like in the back of my head, I felt like, like you know, I go to Target, Target was my client, and I get an end cap in, like, in 1,500 targets. Sure, I did millions of dollars with the sale, but I also know I just helped like hundreds of pounds people just gain. So it's like, anyways, I digress. So my priorities change, but like, when I was a college student, I never thought about that. I was just worried about everything else but that. And so let's talk about that. What's your point of view, perspective on the importance of priority in, in the job search? Yeah, well, 
Priorities are incredibly important. And, and I think the fact that they change is also really important. So when I talk with people, I break it down to the three P's. And so I, I break it down as people, position, and pay. Do you care more about the people and the environment that you're working in, the position that you have, or the pay? And all three things are important, so we can't ignore any of them. Um, so like people would kind of be the culture if you want to yeah. think about it in that way. But um, I think about it more personally of like a good manager, a team that is sharing your interests. Like when I went from marketing to advertising, it went from more corporate to more creative. And I was like, wow, I'm having better conversations. And then I went from advertising to education technology. And it was like, how do we use psychology to sell people things to how do we use psychology to teach people things? And I was like, well, I'm having better conversations. And then I went from that to more therapy world. And I'm like, gosh, I'm going even deeper. This is even more exciting, right? It's, it's, are you able to like connect with the people around you? Cause that's how you'll get promoted. You're going to get promoted. Not, to, I mean, you'll, you have to do decent work and you have to <laughs> hit your milestones and everything. But if you look at who gets promoted at companies, it's people who connect with the people who are higher up. And so you, you want to work at a place where you actually share values with the people who are higher up. So it's better to go network and connect with people in a genuine way and be like, okay, when I talk to people about this title versus that title, I get really excited about this and not really excited about that. You're probably going to do better in the one you get more excited about over the long term. And so really thinking about do I care about the people I'm working with? Do I care about the pay I'm getting? Or do I just want a very specific type of role, like writer or editor or something like that? And I'll take some cut, I'll work with some, you know, not so great people if I get to be an actor or if I get to be a writer, or if I get to be whatever the thing might be. Yeah. And so um, figuring out what your current priorities are and then thinking about your career in like four to five year chunks. So, you know, at the start of college to the end of college, right? You have a clear goal at the end of those four years. So um, sometimes we think way too big with our, our careers. And when people come to me, that's one of the reasons they're paralyzed and, and unable to network and unable to apply because they're like, well, if I take this job, what is that going to mean when I'm 50? And it's like, okay, well, let's not think about 50 right now. Like you don't even have an income. So let's, let's get you some money in the door because that should be your first goal. And then we can think about leveraging that money to find something more fulfilling and then leveraging that to find, unless you like have a, an endless bank, like savings account, maybe finding a job that's fulfilling and creative and has the best people and allows you to travel and allows you to work remote and allows you to, you know, sleep in, Maybe that's not going to happen when you don't even have any dollars coming in, yeah. right? And so we really do need to think about the short term and the midterm and the long term. And so probably the biggest thing that people forget about when it comes to this like longer term planning is how will you age into this career? Because ageism is real. And so as you get older, do you become a more sought after copywriter? Or does it become harder and harder because of AI and more people coming out of college who want to be copywriters? If you're going to go into, um, you know, something that ageism increases over time versus ageism, de like I'm going to become a therapist. I'm pretty sure the older and grayer I get, the more people will trust me as a therapist. <laughs> and so that's something you can age into, 
right? And so really thinking about your priorities now, your priorities later, and then also thinking, what do you want your life to look like and how can your job make that happen? So if you want to start a family, I was chatting with someone and she's like, yeah, in my 20s, I just wanted to be a workaholic and learn everything and do all of that. In the next five years, I want to start a family. I'm thinking about leaving my job to go work at a startup because they're going to pay more. I'm like, how much more? You know, let's say it's like 20, 30K. Um, well, after taxes, how much more is that really? And then how much more responsibility do you have to take on? And how much more chaos is there in that role versus your very kind of more corporate role right now? And they were like, yeah, so five years from now in that role, it would be harder to start a family especially because I'm not going to be getting paid enough to justify the chaos. So maybe staying here and trying to work it out would be the right thing. And that's one of the things I think about being a coach. that's so funny is sometimes, sometimes people come in for one goal and they leave with a completely different one. They're like, I came in here cause I wanted to quit my company, but I actually don't hate my company. I just need to move into this different role yeah. or, I come in because I want to start a business and then I realize I'm actually not an entrepreneur. I just need to like have a hobby. <laughs> like it's, there's some weird things that start to happen when you really challenge people. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. So, so insightful there. Like there's, uh, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Like a couple of things, like you were saying, I think, I think this is a Tony Robbins quote. It says like people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in the lifetime. Right. Because we think like we graduate college, we can, we're going to go and make, all this money, like we, we like we have all these ambitious goals, but then we realize like this is a, a marathon. Like your career is a marathon, and getting your first job is just the start of this marathon. It's not even the finish line. So it's super cool. And the second thing is like you were talking about like how you've had clients when they come to you thinking, hey, I want to switch jobs, and after talking, they realize actually like the grass is not greener in the other side, right? Like because you have a more broader views you see other areas of the market you, you and you understand their goals you're like hey like no like actually i think you you're in, it's not about changing companies maybe it's just about changing departments or changing roles or changing projects and i think that's really important to also think about because the solution is not if you're not enjoying your job the solution is not just leaving like like it might just be like you said moving to a different manager and just different manager can change everything um and so there's just all, all these variables but look marty I, it's time has flew by. Like it's been, it's been over 30 minutes and <laughs> yeah. I can't even believe it, but this has been such a great conversation. But before we wrap it up, I, I definitely like want individuals who are listening to this and are hearing your great advice and say, Hey, you know what, Marty, this is great. How can I learn more about you and the products and services that you provide and, and what are they and where can I reach you? So uh, if you want to check out any of my stuff, you can find me on LinkedIn, Martin or Marty McGovern. Um, careertherapy.com is where you can find my services. And I just have one program. It's called the Unstuck Coaching Program, and it covers everything and includes a whole bunch of different things from weekly group coaching to biweekly one-on-ones, a curriculum and everything all included. Um, and then just one thing to tag on there, um, when coming up with your priorities, do it through tests and experiments, not through ideation. Mm -hmm. um, so like, if you want to work in the music industry, maybe like do something with music on a smaller scale to confirm or deny that before completely throwing your life <laughs> into a wood chipper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, just want to throw that out there. No, no, I, I, so, so true, so true. Or even like doing that or, or reaching out to people who have the job that you want 
not just one, but have exactly. multiple people and have conversations. And they might be like, yeah, I, I love working on weekends. You're like, I hate working on weekends. Or like, I, you, you'll, exactly. you'll figure it out. You'll see trends. And I, I think you're right. It's not just about uh, just thinking, oh, having an idea, this might be a good idea. And then changing your whole life for that one hour thought that you might have. Look, Marty, this is awesome. Like, I, if guys, if, trust me, if you're listening to this, if you, if you, if you connect it with the things as you can tell, Marty knows what he's talking about. One of the things, Marty, I want to give you like awesome props. I was taking some notes. It seems to me that you're very process oriented in the sense of like having like, like formulas. Like we talk about priorities. You said the three P's people positioning a position and pay. Um, when we talked about uh, interviewing, you were like, Hey, you need to be prepared with your, I don't know, answer question. Like, that's awesome, and, and 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 so I want to give you a massive shout out there because I, I can tell you from working with a lot of coaches, there's some really good coaches out there. But like I can tell that you're an amazing coach just by having those like processes in place. And so like give you a massive shout out. Uh, I'm gonna put a link to your website and your LinkedIn here on the show notes so you guys can connect with Marty. Um, if you're listening to this, look, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, the podcast is free. We run no ads. All I ask is that you leave us a review and. If you have a friend or that you know is struggling mentally, maybe lacking the confidence in the job search process, and this podcast can help them in that process, just share it to them. Text them, send them the link and say, hey, listen, I listened to this podcast, thought of you. Uh, I think you should check it out. That uh, Doing that not only will it help your friend, but it will also help us and grow this episode and, and grow uh, Marty's uh, message because I think more people should know about Marty and, and I really appreciate you. So Marty, thank you. For all you listening, thank you so much and catch you guys on the next episode.